podcast one production. Welcome to Agriminders. G'day, I'm Chris Russell. For any of us in, let's say, the mature stages of our careers, one of the single most critical factors is the quality and quantity of the next generation of professionals that will take over from us. And for the agriculture sector, with its 50-year conundrum producing an extra 70% of food, this could not be more critical. Now, the only way that massive challenge is going to be resolved is by putting the very best and brightest of our young bright sparks to the task. Sadly, we're not seeing the number of students that we need studying agriculture either at secondary or at tertiary levels, and yet the jobs are there. Indeed, for every graduate in agriculture in Australia, there are currently four jobs for them to choose from. However, the intellect and investigative ability of these students is probably even more critical than quantity. The task of the agricultural professional has not only become more essential to our global future, but it's also much more complex. It's less about traditional farming pursuits and much more about the use of technology and sophisticated science to meet the challenges of diminishing resources and environmental sustainability. This episode looks at why our young brightest and best are not being attracted to agriculture. Is it parental influence and perception? Or is it indeed a failure of curriculum coupled with the teaching method? In part one, we're going to talk to arguably the most successful city-based teaching school in Australia, Barker College, which currently has as many students studying agriculture than the states of South Australia and Tasmania combined. To do this, we travel to an area where the disconnect between country and city could be assumed to be at its greatest, the North Shore suburbs of Sydney, and yet which spawns a disproportionate number of future agrimines and agriminders. Why is this? As an alumnus of that school, Barker College, I'm very happy to be joined by the head of school, Philip Heath AM, and his head of agriculture, Scott Graham. Welcome to Agriminders to you both. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris. Could I, I come to you first, Philip? You know, 15 years ago, Barker was struggling to even justify having agriculture offered in the senior school because of the lack of students with an interest in studying it. Now, the, the head of the day and the council in their great wisdom continued with it. It's now grown to where it's the size of any major subject at Barker and certainly critical to Australia's future in terms of agricultural professionals. What changed? I bring no great uh, agricultural experience uh, or history into the role. This is my third school of which I've been head and neither of the previous two, two schools offered agriculture. But uh, the learning thing for me at a school like Barker was to see if it's well taught, if it's well supported if there's a passion and a drive, and if it's connected both to other subject areas and to a possible pathway beyond school, um, something very powerful is at work. And so then the challenge has been to make sure that the student's interest was not only fostered but piqued by really great teachers. And finding those really great teachers, when it has to be said, uh, the, the, uh, the pool is not deep, and these are teachers that relate to city kids rather than necessarily... At country high schools, you can have a lot of country teachers, 
But, ha, ha, I mean, the interesting thing for me is these city kids, a lot of them probably wouldn't know that milk came from a cow. I'm probably oh, exaggerating. Well, no, well, you're not actually. Most of them regard agriculture as actually a section inside the supermarket. Yeah. Uh, not not a, an, an industry. Uh, and they've never thought that way about, uh, if you will, paddock to plate uh, or how it, how is our food produced? How is our fibre produced? And are there ways in which we can do that sustainably and build a better future. Um, many of our, our kids, as you've described, live on the North Shore. Um, and they can buy things in, if you will, uh, that they require, and they don't necessarily regard themselves as part of that whole productivity chain. Um, that's a new way of thinking for them. They don't have dirt under their fingernails and have never imagined that they could. Uh, but what has happened with ag is that it's opened up a world that otherwise might not be available. Now, you might imagine that that requires acres upon acres of space to achieve. Not so. Not so. It's actually quite an urban campus. Yes, we have 55 acres of really lovely space on the upper north shore of Sydney. Um, but uh, regrettably, uh, for my colleague, I, I don't give ag as much as they would like. Um, it's space is highly contested uh, with the sports program, the other co-curricular programs, of course, the academic program. Uh, ag has to fit in that and be imaginative about how they use their space to achieve their objectives. The most impressive thing over the last uh, number of years is that the quality of the classroom experience and the connections that that classroom experience is making to other aspects of the curriculum and to pathways post-school is enormously attractive to students who may never have thought ag was a possible course of study for them. And their parents may never have thought it either. Well, no, they may never have They're thought so it. They're so influential, fact, aren't they? Parents have a big influence, but one of the things the students ask is why? Why would I do this? What's in it for me? How will it help me as a learner? Will it help me to achieve what I want in the uh, year 12 or the HSC? Will it give me a university pathway? Or am I just doing this out of, if you will, as a hobby? Um, if the answer to those questions is, is flimsy, students will steer away and go into things that are more useful for them. What the students tell me is that they love ag because they get to do things, they can see the work of their hands, and they can understand the connection between different subject content areas. So the sciences uh, and mathematics and... Uh, and then research tasks that require being written up. That is a confluence of the academic skills um, that is not so much unique but really powerful. Do they see it as a technology program. subject? Oh, very much so. So they've got away from the idea that this is to train me to go out and drive around a farm it, on a tractor right. or sit it's on a horse. It's not simply about milking the cow or collecting the eggs. Mm. That's part of it, but, but um, they, are, they are interested in efficiencies and then in productivity and in the utility of what they're studying. If you say to students, do you enjoy school? Their answer almost always uh, connects to, is it relevant to them? Does it answer real world questions that are being posed and new questions that are being imagined all the time? Uh, AG offers a lot in that space. And I think Partly that and partly the way in which uh, great teaching is shaping towards those answers is 
It's part of its appeal. And the other comment too is if it works and works well and you'd perform well, that builds a momentum and that's enormously attractive inside a culture. So, Philip, you know, Barker College is is arguably the one of the best, if not the best, school in Australia. Pretty well, biased that, from that a Barker be, boy, but that would be certainly my view. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, I'm happy to say that be, being an ex student of there, you know, it is it is also a very large school. Yes. So you carry a lot of street cred and um, standing, if you like, as an exemplar for other heads of schools to follow. What would your advice be to heads of other schools, even humble though you may be about giving that advice, but what would your advice be about how they could encourage more kids to study agriculture at their schools? Agriculture as a study draws together so many seemingly disconnected parts of the academic program. Um, And that is liberating for kids. Um, Give them a go to draw those connections. More than that, recognise the realities of our present age and the age to come. Uh, These are questions that affect all of us. And if we're serious about creating the future, not simply consuming it, be in the business, in ag, in sciences, in in the technologies, um, as well as in the humanities, of answering, posing and in fact finding answers to questions for the future. Agriculture does this magnificently. And... Uh, One step further than that, one imagines that agriculture is about the sweeping plains, and it is, but it's not only that. Um, We are an urbanised people in an urbanising globe, but we depend upon the creative minds within the agricultural sector to feed that population. uh, That's not simply something we can outsource. We all belong to this question. We live in a wonderful country, um, which is resource-rich, but faces profound challenges. Um, let's be part of that answer. If you're a serious school, serious about providing opportunities for students to, to contribute to the future and not simply sim- consume it, ag sits right in the heart of that. It was an easy sell to me, and um, I have to admit, over the last uh, three or four years, I've become a bit of an enthusiast. So if I could come to you now, Scott, I mean, you, you're also on the executive of the Ag Teachers Association in Australia. Tell me what your perception is of what is missing and why even schools which have agriculture in their name, like James Roos, Hurlston, in case of Hurlston, don't even offer or make compulsory agriculture study in Year 7 anymore, which they used yep. to do. Why, why have they gone the opposite way to Barker? Um, I think there's probably two big issues in Australia with agriculture. The first one is there's a real lack of teachers um, and I guess therefore lack of quality teachers in agriculture. Um, but as well as that, I think probably the biggest area is um, the way the subject's seen by students. Um, it's often seen as, a, as a something that's kind of not very academic. Um, it might be kind of just leading a cows around a paddock and um, it's not going to have a future for them. And is I that think, in the bush and in the city or mainly in the um, city? From my reading of it, yes, that's the case. I think everywhere. Um, and I think students inherently want something with a purpose and something with a future. And if they see agriculture as something that's really in the past and not something in the future, um, they don't like to choose it for their, um, certainly for their senior years, um, but all throughout as well. I think they 
parents have a big influence, as we've already mentioned. Um, parents have a big influence on students' choices, especially at some schools over others. Um, and so I think um, pa- if parents can see a worth um, to the subject and they can see a future in it, um, then they're willing to um, let their students pick it, let their sons or daughters pick it. So has that just changed at Barker and on the North Shore or is it because you've attracted some of the brightest and best teachers to come and give passion to the kids who are actually already at the school? Well, if I think if you look across um, New South Wales, really the, the number of students doing ag in year 12 have um, has been pretty steady for the last, say, 20 years. Um, so there hasn't really been a significant increase or really an increase at all um, across the state. But in terms of us at Barker, um, I think we've really shifted it away um, from being kind of just a not academic subject, much more towards a science, uh, another science. I guess we treat it in the same way as, say, biology or um, earth and environment or physics and chem. At a school level, we kind of promote it as a science. Um, it's very thoroughly a STEM. I mean, a lot of people say that agriculture is the original STEM subject. Um, it involves you know, so all the STEM science. STEM being science, technology. Technology, engineering Engin- and maths. Right. Um, and it really is a combination of all of those things. And so as... Uh, Philip said earlier, it's really um, kind of connects all those dots together um, and it has so much purpose and meaning um, in the future. And I think it's not being really promoted um, about what the future jobs are um, very well as well. And I think that's... So has the syllabus reflected that? Has the syllabus evolved from when I was at Barker? If you did agriculture, most of it was excursions out to have a look at and wander around and put a bit of grass in your mouth and get a feel for people who are farming. Has the syllabus actually changed to be more of a a science-based or a technology-based syllabus? Um, I think so. I mean, there's option topics and one of the option topics is a a kind of farming for the 21st century topic with um, technologies and that in the future. Um, People can kind of teach to the syllabus, but to teach it with their own kind of slant on it. And I think the the slant that people put on it or the focus that people put on it, whether it's more of a technology or more of a science or more of an all-encompassing STEM subject, I think that affects students' perception of it within the school and whether they're willing to choose it or not. I think um, when I was at school the common um, refrain amongst students was, why would you do ag? You're not going to be a farmer. Um, Whereas I think we've managed to change that to be, um, why wouldn't you do ag? Um, Why wouldn't you give it a go? Because it's relevant to your life. You're going to make at least four or five decisions every day in your life um, that have to do with agriculture, to do with food, to do with clothing. Um, And you're going to make those decisions whether you want to or not, whether you you choose to do agriculture or not. So you might as well um, do it and find out about it and be informed in those decisions you make in the future, even if you're not going to take a career path in that direction. And do you get much pushback from parents when they're initially making their subject choices? Do you hear of kids saying, oh, mum and dad don't want me to do that, they want to do legal studies or something, but I'd love to, or we're not hearing that now? Uh, we don't hear that anymore. I think it might be the opposite. Often parents um, are sometimes encouraging their, their sons or daughters to do it. Um, I think back to something you said earlier, like 90% of Australians live um, in urban areas by the coast, and so we can't really leave it up to... Um, the 10% of people in Australia that don't live by the coast to look after agriculture. I think we need to have everyone involved in it. And um, it's really important that we're getting city students, people who've grown up in the city to, to be part of ag. Um, I think one of the things we often talk about at uh, curriculum nights when parents come and help um, their son or daughter choose the subject is um, 60% of ag jobs these days are city-based. Um, 80% of them are off farms. So that kind of thing really allays their fears, I think. A lot of parents are worried that agriculture either won't be very academic um, or that it'll mean that their son or daughter is just going to move to the country and they'll never see them again. I think they're two of the biggest issues. And I think we've overcome those issues by 
um, as Philip said earlier, getting good results, um, saying the HSC students can then say, oh, I can actually do it and do quite well at it um, if I'm quite bright. And um, also saying that 80% of jobs off farm, 60% of jobs are in the city. I think parents then think, oh, okay, like they can have a legitimate, um, very successful knowledge-based STEM job in the city, which will be very fulfilling, have a lot of meaning and purpose, um, has, a, has a very bright future. There's about six jobs per graduate coming out of an ag science degree at the moment. Um, and so those kind of things really, I think, reassure parents that um, not only is there a future, but also that they're not going to lose their son or daughter to the country forever and not see them again. If I could just add to that, um, we are in a, a time in the in the development of, of Australian education that still has not overcome the issue of compartmentalisation. That is, each subject designs its own syllabus and its own assessment rubrics in isolation generally from the other subjects. I think the universities do a little bit as well. What's gradually happening, very gradually, is a little bit more interconnection, chiefly driven by the STEM movement. Um, some pragmatism at the university level, to be sure, but chiefly driven by the STEM movement. Look for connections between aspects or strands of knowledge and skills. Um, it was a quite a discovery for me to see that Agriculture is an enormous vehicle for this. Um, when you say to students, what do you want from your school? They'll talk about wanting to be safe, connected, uh, engaged, challenged. But they'll also talk about real-world solutions to real-world challenges and problems. Um, ag provides that, uh, remarkably so. When you then build that into a culture where it's well taught and where you can prosper academically in it, where you don't just simply do it to fill the stocking, if you will, uh, or fill up your timetable, it's the last choice and the first one to be dropped when you can, you then open up a possibility. If you add some knowledge then around that, here are the research skills, here's how you find out things, Here's how you test whether those things are a good idea and whether they work in real-world settings. Um, that's a powerful mix. Um, and what we've found then is that as students come in to make their choices in 11 and 12, subjects like agriculture uh, and earth and environmental sciences are some of the first picked at our place because they both bring real-world challenges with real-world solutions and a confluence of that around engagement, connection, uh, and the opportunity to do well around the academic program, uh, which is a pretty potent mix, actually, uh, and helps the students to understand the relevancy of what they're doing at school. We can't waste those school years to, to make people think that they're just doing time until they get out to be in the real world. We want that to start as early as they possibly can and... Uh, to some extent, those two subjects, and especially agriculture, does that very, very well. And I think the universities are realising what is now becoming, you know, a, a looming problem of a lack of supply, both of suitably qualified engineers and scientists who can work in this space. At my sector, about quality teachers, how many teachers have we got um, to meet the demands going forward? And our, our sense of things is not enough. 
So the latest generations are quite different to when, you know, when I was going through uni, if you read a lot, then you were quite well informed. But I think generally kids, you know, in their teens back in the 70s and 80s were a lot more insular and a lot more risk of living in a kind of a glass bottle than today where they seem to be a lot more worldly because of social media, because of the contact they have. You can just, a couple of notes, uh, compressors on keys and you can read about just about anything. Now, one of your responsibilities in the Ag Teachers Association has been social media. What difference has that made to letting kids understand that that agriculture is critical to their future and it's not just something that's going to happen all by itself? Um, There's probably two aspects here. So I think in terms of finding things out, um, everyone, students these days and probably their parents as well are very interested in um, paddock-to-plate kind of experience and I think that bleeds through to social media. Um, The other thing is we've created a culture where students actually see agriculture as a good thing rather than something they don't want to tell people they're doing. And so they're, they're very willing to kind of share on social media like things that they're doing in agriculture, you know, if they're growing plants or if they're, you know, handling animals or learning about this experiment or that experiment, they're very willing to share that on social media. And I think that that has a really big impact on the reputation of the subject and what students want to do as a result of that. Just um, further to that. Yes. um, What uh, Scott and his colleagues have done well is create structured lesson material that can be accessed through social media channels such as YouTube and effectively vodcasts and podcasts based on what they're studying at school. So they can take away asynchronously. They can learn agriculture without necessarily being in the sheep pen or in the ag plot, but they can be at home in their own time and review and rehearse the materials that Scott and his colleagues produce. So syllabuses are... Uh, constructed around dot points, and dot points are then inform the assessment. Uh, what Scott does is creates um, YouTube-style videos that describe for the students what they need to know and do uh, over the dot points. Uh, that's taking ag, to some extent, into domains that used to be populated by other subjects, but no one would ever imagine that that's what happened in agriculture. Uh, and the kids love that. They talk to me about that. Uh, says I to them, why did you pick ag? Someone like you who, you know, you live in the burbs. Why have you chosen that? Oh, because I really get it. Um, I get to go out and do things that I would never otherwise do. I can see some connections, but then afterwards I can review it. And he does these really cool videos. Um, And uh, that's good currency for a student. Uh, And I think Further to that question, it's using contemporary technology and communication systems to reach where the kids are at, which uh, I wish other subjects would do the same. When I talk to your students and and other school students who are in doing ag and considering their career options and university options or, or whatever after they leave school... I always make three points to them. You know, they've got to consider, first of all, that yes, they have to earn enough money to give themselves a lifestyle. They're not frustrated. No doubt about that. Secondly, they should have a job where they can't wait to get up and go to work every morning. Now, school teaching like you you do would be one of those, I'm sure. Uh, certainly in my world, it's always been one of mine. I can't wait to get out and start working in my area of agriculture every day and have done been like that all my life. 
And the third element is that when you get to your retirement and you're sitting in your rocking chair and enjoying the grandchildren, you can look back and say, I made a difference. Now, school teaching, again, is one which does that. And agriculture, I think, does that. But my question to you is, do you think the kids rate that? And is that a reason? And how many of the kids that study at uh, Abaka are going on to actually pursue careers in that? I'll start with the last bit first. So we, at the moment, we have 60 year 12s. Um, and we normally have about 25 to 30% of those go on to do an ag-related degree at uni the next year. So last year we had about, I think, 17 that went on out of the 60 to go and do ag-related degrees at university. Um, about 95% of our students at, at Barker roughly go to university or around that. So um, that's where they typically go is to, to university to study agriculture. Um, and so, yeah, like next year it's looking like we'll have about 80 students in year 12. So hopefully, again, we'll have around 30% of those. So upwards of in the mid-20s, hopefully, we'll go through to pursue an agriculture career. But I think you're spot on. Um, they w- they actually inherently want um, a career that has purpose. Um, students really, uh, really desire that, even when they don't realise it. Um, I think they really respond to that well when it's promoted that it has a future and a purpose um, and they're not going into something that is, um, you know, not going to have any meaning or it's just going to a, a desk job and just kind of doing the job for the money rather than actually having any purpose behind it. So I think they definitely respond to that. Um, I think st- uh, students probably don't get as much credit as they should for the for the future and their aspirations. I think often we think oh, that they're in it for the money and there are a couple that are like, I want to work out what I want to do based on the money. But um, m- the absolute majority of students um, see challenges in the future and they want to be part of the big challenges of the world, I think. And so when you bring in things like, um, you know, the, the future population of the world being 9 billion in, say, 2050, um, all this extra people we need to feed with less or the same amount of land, um, issues like salinity, but particularly climate change um, and the big impact of that in terms of agriculture going both ways, impact on agriculture and the impact of agriculture on climate change. Um, I think students inherently just sit up and listen, I guess, when you put those two things together and you talk about that being a career path, something they can do, something they can make a difference in the world in and think, yeah, you've presented me with this big idea about the future. I kind of, it's something I can attach myself to. It's something um, I can, I can see myself doing and investing my life towards that. So certainly I think putting out those big ideas, just even in year nine, year 10, the whole way through really where we teach from year nine to 12 uh, agriculture. But um, I think putting out those big ideas early on and um, letting students start think about it and kind of mull over it um, for a while, even when they're quite young, is is a really powerful thing, and they they really um, take it to heart, and and it it does a lot. I mean, I think. See, that's what really inspires me about the young generation today. I, I just think they are much more aware. They're much more um, responsible, and they're much more aware of their position as custodians of an environment which has to keep producing for a long time further ahead. Um, it, that is inspirational. I'm much more inspirational than my generation ever were, who were much more pragmatic about the short term, I think. Um, but that's not to say that the money isn't quite good in agriculture. I, mean, I, I talked to Sydney University. They tell me that all of their final year students have got jobs if they want them by halfway through their final year. So anyone, employer who rings up in the latter part of the year, they'll say, sorry, mate, they're all gone. You have to wait till next year to get another student. So the job opportunity uh, and the adequacy of the money are certainly there. Um, but the, the thing that I think is really there, and as you say, inspiring them, is what they can do with, with the, the time that they're getting paid to put in. Uh, in terms of ag teachers, you mentioned that right at the beginning. 
Where are we going with that? Are we seeing more teachers being inspired to take that on as agriculture as a subject or is that pretty static? I think it's fairly static at the moment. Um, There's only about two universities, I think, in New South Wales at the moment that are offering um, agriculture as an option for teachers um, to to be an agriculture teacher. A lot of people are coming across from, say, biology or um, other areas um, in science and and kind of retraining or... um, you know, just teaching it from a biology background, um, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing. And I think for us, um, you know, getting people from that background has actually helped us in terms of the promotion of the subject and it, and students see it as a science. Um, and we're constantly kind of promoting it as a science, um, as another science and something that's, um, you know, just like biology or just like earth and environment, and that kind of thing. So um, yeah, there is a real lack of teachers. Absolutely. There's a lot of jobs and there's not many people coming through. Um, but I think maybe we have to be more creative about where we get teachers from. Um, and maybe that means um, we change the way across the state and how it's seen and taught. And if it moves towards more of a science um, basis, that would probably be good, I think, for encouraging yeah, And just further to that, uh, often there's a cycle. Uh, so if you're taught by an inspiring teacher, uh, you may be more interested to take the subject up yourself and follow someone else's example. Um, so it starts when they're... Uh, you know, really in year nine to capture their spirit and then promote the cause. Uh, And that applies to all subjects, frankly, but no less ag. So when you see these students finally leaving, are you confident that we're going to meet the challenge and that I can tell my, my grandchildren that when I'm dead and gone, there will be enough food that we will have a world that has come to grips with its own food security? Uh, I share Scott's enormous confidence in the emerging generations. Um, Of course I would because I work amongst them, but they just inspire me all the time. Um, But unlike in in my time, I think we viewed the the future much more passively. Uh, Yes, we were in some ways angry, about the world we were inheriting, um, the anger is not as there as much as a desire, genuine desire from students to do something about it. That's new or new-ish. There were pockets of it before, but now it's more mainstream that you know they, they want to do something worthwhile. That drives them powerfully. Um, so I'm, I'm very optimistic, actually. Uh, I'm very optimistic that we have among us part of the solutions to the big challenges that we've not even yet begun to imagine. Well, on that exciting note, can I thank you, Philip and Scott, for coming and joining us on AgriMiners and bringing your vision based on such a well-founded practical experience at that wonderful school called Barker College. Congratulations on what you're doing there. The profession is proud of what you're doing there and can only give more strength to your elbow and keeping on doing it because we need all those students moving on. So thank you very much for joining us. Thanks, Thanks very much. So as we can see, Barker College in Sydney has become an exemplar of inspiration and pedagogy for secondary agricultural education. To have created such passion amongst a largely city-based student and family background is quite remarkable and indeed inspirational. But how do we encourage and excite those students to make the transition to focus tertiary study? Indeed, why are Sandstone Universities around Australia merging or closing agriculture faculties as we speak? 
the demand from industry and our global production challenges is there. The jobs are there. So why aren't the students? Why isn't this a focus for university senates? And why isn't it a focus for the expenditure of taxpayer dollars? To explore these questions and look at our next generation of agricultural professionals in part two of this episode, we'll speak with the last Dean of Australia's oldest but now merged Faculty of Agriculture and Environment at Sydney University and now the Director of the Sydney Institute of Agriculture at that university, Professor Alex McBratney. Join us again on AgriMinders. Special thanks to the AgriMinds Think Tank Group. AgriMinders was presented by me, Chris Russell, and created in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Executive producer extraordinaire was Jenny Goggin. Sound production by Darcy Thompson. For more episodes, go to podcastone.com.au, download the Podcast One app, or search AgriMinders on Apple Podcasts.